This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody. My name is Geert, and I'm your host for today on NBN's Drugs, Addiction, and Recovery podcast once again. Uh, Doan, I'm glad you found the time to talk to us. Welcome. Thank you so much for uh, your interest uh, in in my work, I would say. So um, I'll briefly introduce you to our listeners. Dr. Toon Voeten, he is educated as an anthropologist and a philosopher, and he has been a photographer of wars and conflicts for uh, at least three decades, if, uh, if I'm correct. As such, he has covered uh, many different areas uh, worldwide, ranging from Sierra Leone uh, through New York to Sudan and, and beyond. And in 2018, an adaptation of his PhD thesis was published in the Netherlands on the logic behind drug-related violence in Mexico. Uh, this has now been translated into English and published with Small Wars Journal as Mexican drug violence, hybrid warfare, predatory capitalism, and the logic of cruelty. And uh, this is what we'll be discussing. So to start off, um, what made you decide uh, to specifically uh, put so much uh, research effort into studying Mexico and and why now? Yeah, everything uh, is is coincidental in my life. I, I, as you told, uh, uh, I've been photographing war since 1991. Um, uh, I had already a vague interest in drugs and crime and war. I was in 1990. I was already a student in Colombia. Um, I photographed uh, the gang uh, violence in, in, in Honduras in 2008. I did a story about uh, homeless um, uh, drug addicts, basically homeless people living in the tunnel, and everybody was doing um, crack at that time. And in '95, I, I wrote a book about it. So I had basically an interest in in, in war and and the angle with with drugs, because in every war there is a drug angle. Either wars are financed by drugs or fought over drugs, or uh, nearly always fought under the influence of drugs. Um, for some reason. Um, in, in 2009, I read somewhere uh, a news clip that Ciudad Juarez was uh, the most dangerous city on the world. And I, I read about it and I, I, I was really intrigued by it. So I went there and um, I made a photo story for about 10 days, two weeks. But I was, frankly, I was completely shocked by the level of violence, by the impunity, by, by, by the cruelty. And um, the weird thing was, it, 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 I, I'm used to, to these levels of violence in, in the so-called uh, new wars like Sierra Leone and Liberia, Afghanistan, post-Soviets. Um, but, but, I mean, Mexico was a, a completely um, sophisticated modern state. You cannot call it a failed state. So um, 
the, the violence was so intriguing. I, I went back um, after uh, Ciudad Juarez. I, I, I went back another time. I, I traveled to, to Culiacán, to Sinaloa, and then basically I made 12 trips, and that became a photo book. Uh, and I was very proud of that photo book. But, but as a photographer, I mean, photography is, is, is a great way of communication, but, but you miss something. You, you cannot um, address the, the social, political, um, anthropological context. So um, during my photo trips, I, I met some, some students and some PhDs, some doctors. And so I decided, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to write a PhD as well on, on it. And, and, um, and so... Um, it was basically pretty easy. I, I went to my old university to an old professor, and I, I, I he supervised me uh, to write a PhD thesis. I, I didn't have to go back to school. And basically, um, when I was writing my PhD thesis, I, I of course, I, 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 it's it's about Mexico, but, but I, I compared the Mexican situation with with with, with all the other wars I've been in, and um, basically, it's 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 built around uh, three uh, angles. The one angle is uh, the dynamic of the warfare in 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 um, Mexico because I really think you can call it a war. I mean, some people don't call it a war, but if you look at at the uh, amount of casualties and and the the, the tactics used and and the, the enormous uh, big caliber weapons and helicopters and RPGs and and, and armed vehicles, it is a war. Uh, but a special kind of war. Um, so I, I I describe the dynamics of the war and then. Um, I look at, at, at the economic uh, angle. Um, the debt chapter is called predatory capitalism, and um, I, I look first briefly in, in how far the, the economic inequality is responsible for the, the drug violence. And, and yes, it, 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 it's 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 a favorable circumstance for for drug crime to flourish if you have uh, poverty and economic inequality. But what I found more interesting is, is how you can. Um, describe uh, the DTOs, the drug trafficking organizations, as uh, hyper-predatory capitalist corporations that, that, that for what, for who profit is the only, uh, only aim, but uh, who use nearly all other, um, uh, who function nearly the same as, as legal corporations. The only difference is that, that, that uh, they, they, they use violence and that they operate outside of the law, but there are incredible similarities, and um, uh, the, the last chapter, uh, the cruelty of violence. I mean, the the, the logic of, of cruelty is basically uh, how people can become killers. It's more at at political level how individuals can start to kill other people. Not only that, but actually start to enjoy it and actually uh, commit uh, gross. Acts of, of extreme violence, which most people would would, would call inhumane, but, but I, I my thesis it is not inhumane; it's, it's human behavior as well. And and there again, um, I talked to uh, six or seven or eight sicarios, assassins for hire, in in the jail in in, in Ciudad Juarez in prison. Um, but I also made comparison with the experiences I have in other wars in in with with, with the jihadis. Um, I wrote also a book about child soldiers in, in Sierra Leone and who nearly killed me, but it's another story. So I made basically a cross-cultural comparison between Mexican um, uh, assassins for hire with West African child soldiers and jihadis. 
and I looked also a little bit in, in the literature of Vietnam veterans and and first Second World War veterans. So so that that's basically how the thesis was set up. And um, actually, um, while I was writing my thesis, I actually noticed that, that the thirty years of war photography was was a great preparation. It's actually. Uh, being a war photographer is actually a brilliant way for anthropology to explore conflict because you really have to be at the front line. I mean, I was embedded with Americans. You hang out two weeks with with, with a platoon of, of, of 20 Americans and, 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 and or you hang out with rebels. And you, I mean, as a social scientist, they they normally don't, don't do that. No, and I think you did a did a great job there as well. Um, because even even the the initial chapters are, are theory heavy, but um, you you gather all these uh, small case studies or small stories from your experience to uh, to enrich them. I think that's uh, that's one of the big qualities of the of the book. I mean, there's more. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like theory, but I think theory should be illustrated by by examples from from uh, in the field. Yeah, I'd like to start somewhere specific uh, regarding the content. So you describe an event in Nuevo Laredo in the early 2000s. Um, and, and there you say, this is the moment when the war on drugs transformed into the drug war. Um, what, what happened here? And, and why is this, this transformation important, would you, would you say? Well, basically, uh, the, the Mexican drug war or Mexican uh, drug violence, however you want to call it, you, you have actually different wars fought, fought at the same time. And, and that's why I also call it hybrid warfare, uh, because it it's, it's, uh, has different front lines, different intensities different players who merge from one group to another and, and, and transform themselves. So it's, it's a very fluid warfare. And uh, actually, um, I, I have one chapter uh, in which I, I, I describe you, you have not one drug war, you have actually seven drug wars, at least. You have the wars from authorities to, uh, against cartels, from one cartel to another cartel. You have uh, sometimes internal power struggle. You have um, a civil society that 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 fights the the criminal groups, and they can fight it in, in a peaceful way, with with protest. But they, they can also form self defense militias that kill criminals. Um, you have civilians that form militias to to kill small time criminals, and the the the, the crime of wave from small time criminals and who, who flourish in in an atmosphere of impunity against civilians. You could call that another war, and then you have government-authorized death squads, um, and then you have um, the, the last, the most crazy. You have, you have like sometimes a proxy war between different authorities. For instance, in, in Nuevo Laredo, the municipal police was was in the pockets of the Zeta cartel, and and the, the government sent, sent the federal police. So, uh, sometimes uh, you had fights between. Um, the federal police and the municipal police, and uh, and and that's what uh, I mentioned in, in my book. I, I actually I, I based myself on on the analysis of journalist Ian uh, Grillo, who was at that time at Nuevo Laredo, who made a perfect analysis. And then basically the 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 Sinaloa cartel wanted to invade territory from the Zetas, Nuevo Laredo. And there was the federal police, and they they hooked up a little bit with uh, with with uh, the Sinaloa cartel, 
And then of of, of course you had the the, the local Zeta cartel with the municipal police. And then the 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 it was a whole level of of, of new violence and and with, with murders, with assassinations, uh, with with with, with um, confrontations between police forces. So this is when you can really say the 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 drug war really started to to in all intensity. So so I guess. The, the main point is that somewhere in the early 2000s, complexity became uh, became extreme. So um, the initial framework might, might have been like, okay, so government principally is fighting or is trying to fight the presence of drugs and the trade in drugs. And then at some point um, in the early 2000s, of course, it's a process. It's not something that happens at one point, but in the early 2000s, it it uh, how would you say that it expands into these all these different kinds of wars that you describe? To, to use a non-academic word, it, it became a huge clusterfuck, and it, which it remains up to this day. And um, one thing I should correct you: it, it has never been a war against authorities, against cartels, because it, it's not simple black and white. And of course, the, the government loved that narrative, but. Um, there have been so many examples of, of gross corruption, and I, I don't talk about small-time village cops, but but, but even um, drug czars and, and, and General uh, Rebeo was one of the very famous guy. He was head of uh, anti-drug operations, a military general, and he basically he, he was in, in cahoots with 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 um, the leader of, of the Juarez cartel, and actually just uh, last year. Another general was arrested, Chen Fuego. So, so there, there, there is uh, what someone wrote. Um, it's not uh, we against them, but some of us against who know who uh, them and some of us as well. So it, 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 it's extremely complicated. Yeah, yeah, I figure. It, it, it's like a classic warfare. And, and I compare a classic warfare, you have, for instance, uh, Napoleon, the British, and the French have different uniforms. They, you know exactly who is who, and uh, and they fight on the battlefield. And there is a declaration of war and a ceasefire. But this hybrid warfare it is ongoing. Yeah, yeah, I figure. Um, and and, and um, uh, for it's very uh, remarkable because um, I'm not from Mexico, and uh, I, as a European. Um, I base myself on a lot, lot of literature, material warfare, basically from from um, European scholars, and, and and that kind of literature hardly exists in Latin America. And, and I mean, Europe, of course, has, a, has has enormous experience with all kind of warfare. I mean, through the Second World War, the Thirty-Year-Old War, the, the war, the Freedom War, they fought uh, against the former colonies. Whereas Latin America, and um, I, I don't want to play down the, all the horrible wars, but they only had the, the war against Spanish independence war and then there were a, a few guerrilla movements but there was never a war between uh, Latin America states I mean some skirmishes but, but I mean um, the, 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 there is a lot of theory about different forms of warfare in, in Europe which you don't have in, in, in Latin American uh, literature. No of course um, and this is something that you uh, quite accurately describe I mean you um you, you you indicate that the different theoretical frameworks that we have to uh, say capture um, uh, the the post World War Two conflicts don't uh, are not really ne- um, sufficient 
to capture the, the, the situation in Mexico. And even um, frameworks like greed versus grievances uh, doesn't capture the mechanics, nor does the, the new war concept. Uh, you, you coin or you use this, this concept of hybrid war. How does this um, better capture the complexity in Mexico? What does it enlighten? Well, uh, a hybrid warfare, it's actually... Um, so so you, you have the distinction between classic... First, you have the classic war between states and regular armies. Uh, then you have um, an, an, an tax by authorities, um, financed by, by, by taxation, and then, then you have the so-called new wars. This is a theoretical framework from um, Mary Kelder and, and Herbert Munkler. Very useful to um, describe situations in, in Sierra Leone, Liberia, post-Soviet Afghanistan, uh, Angola, all the conflicts where I was myself as a photographer of Colombia. And what you have there is you have a, a merger between crime and war, and basically uh, war be- becomes a means in itself. The uh, situation of war is maintained because it, it creates um, uh, a very favorable environment for exploitation of, of natural resources, which are exploited by criminal warlords. And then um, hybrid warfare is even one step further, and, and what, what you certainly also have, you have like a a digital uh, cyber dimension coming into place. I mean, um, what she will with hybrid warfare, I mean, um, important uh, component is psychological warfare. And of course, um, psychological warfare has always been uh, a part of war. But with, with social media, it, it becomes extremely powerful. And um, uh, I, I, I devote a chapter to um, sub chapter to, to narco propaganda, where um, cartel groups make gruesome videos and post them on, on, on the web. And I make actually comparison with with, with, with ISIS. I mean, um, the war of ISIS against the West is also a typical form of, of, of hybrid warfare. It has different identities, different front lines. Um, there is no clear demarcation between a combatant and a civilian. And uh, everybody can be a target, and everybody can become a, a, a combatant as well. And, and sometimes this war is simmering underground, and someone sometimes it explodes right in your face. And that's that, that's the the the, the characteristic of of, of 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 hybrid warfare. And, um, um, yeah, it, 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 it's actually, uh, it was theoretically a little bit challenging comparing ISIS with, with um, Mexican drug war, but I did, and uh, the only difference is that, that ISIS has like ideological uh, religious components, which is absent in, in um, the Mexican drug war, but, but the methods, the, the dynamics, um, the, the, the propaganda, the, the extreme violence, Violence as, as as a language, as communication, uh, are fairly equal. And why are we talking exactly? Because you also uh, cite a lot of the the economic um, the economic grounds for the for the conflict. Why would you say we are specifically talking about drug violence in Mexico and not, for instance, poverty violence or neoliberal violence? What is it in the nature of of drugs that that makes the situation in mexico so uh, incredibly explosive neoliberal politics create created of course a situation where you had huge economic 
inequality, uh, which, which was um, a feeding ground, I mean, uh, a fertile ground for, for cartels to flourish, to, to, to recruit people, but it, it's not the, the only uh, explanation. And um, I think it's, it's, it's more important uh, the, 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 the special thing about drugs is uh, the, the profits are enormous and it's, it's a very diverse business uh, all people with all, all kind of experience and, and, and level of education can find a job I mean you need very sophisticated accountants and lawyers but you need like the foot soldiers as well, and they don't necessarily need an education. So, so it's 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 an enormous industry, which can provide a lot of income generation um, uh, opportunities for people from from all walks of life, which you don't have in, in any other uh, in any other business. Yeah, no, understandable, understandable. You, you, you have the telecom business. And yeah, they, they, they employ sophisticated people and, and uneducated people. But I mean, the, 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 the diversity and the dynamic and the income, uh, the, the money-making opportunities are uh, nothing compared with 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 with, 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 with the drug uh, industry. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Um, and and I guess that also relates to the to the uh, high degree of corruption. I mean, if there's so large profits to be uh, to be gained. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's extremely difficult to, to 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 remain honest. I mean, the the amount of of money offered for uh, to bribe and this is basically a right offered for these corporations. It, it, these are basically business expenses that that basically uh, a cartel makes maybe uh, I would say ten million in a month in, in a certain area, and they set apart two million uh, for bribery. It, it's their way of, of paying taxes. It's a it, it business uh, write-off, and then they, they have set that money um, apart. And, okay, no, I, I fully agree, but why would you say then that uh, Mexico um, is not necessarily a failed state? Why is it um, uh, still a, a, well, a stable sort of country? Well, I mean, I have a whole subject of the whole failed state discussion, and and, uh, and to put very arrogant, you only know what a failed state is if you have once been in it. And I've been in a failed state like like Liberia and Sierra Leone. I mean, Liberia, Sierra Leone are these days doing pretty okay, but and and, and I was in Afghanistan and Kabul, post-Soviet. It it was nothing was functioning, nothing, no infrastructure, no hospitals. No, uh, no means of communication. No electricity. Uh, there was nothing. Um, no culture. I mean, but, but Mexico has has, um, of course, a, a great communication industry, a great cultural industry, museum, great infrastructure, great hospitals, great universities. So, so that is all uh, all functioning. Um, but but only the the. the uh, a state should provide for these these uh, goods, but also for security. And security is is the the, the problem in Mexico, and um, only in certain parts of Mexico. So so it, it, not the whole of Mexico is, is, is completely dangerous and and not uh, 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 under the rule of of, 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 of criminals. But, but 
you could certainly say that, that there are certain areas in Mexico that you can um, consider filled uh, statelets, small states, or you could you could talk about a uh, about security failure, and and but, but I would never call Mexico uh, a failed state. No, I no, I understand it, <clears throat> and I, I think it makes sense what you say. I mean, uh, my my latest trip, I was in Michoacan, and I went deep down in in the hinterland, and and there are certainly there are no authorities, and there you have uh, uh, lots of regions controlled by, by different armed factions and, 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 and self-defense militias and out-defensers and cartel groups and, and you have new cartel groups invading and, and, and there is no rule of law there. No, I understand. Um, and I, I guess, so the, the, this in, the, in, in certain areas, government and society is functioning rather, rather well. Uh, so there is also a lot of a uh, lot of financial means available, um, and I was wondering. So there's this this militarization from the of the of the, uh, the drug related violence on the, from the government side. Um, would you say that that the army is escalating the levels and the scale of cruelty, or is is that um, is that principally the non state groups, uh, or or how does this dynamic work? This this escalation of violence. I mean. Um... People from more leftist background, they, they like to point accusing things at, at, at the army. And uh, yes, the army has been found uh, guilty of, of, of disappearances and, and human rights violations, but um, do not under, underestimate the militarized, uh, 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 the, how the cartels have become militarized. I mean, um, if you look these days at, at the Cartel Jalisco Nuevo Generation, the most aggressive and expensive uh, cartels and I mean the Zetas were originally special forces from the army and, and they started the whole militarization of, of organized crime and um, with RPGs and, and, and armed, armed vehicles and, and .50 um, caliber uh, guns and uh, rifles and um, what you see right now the, the, the cartel they sometimes they drive around in convoys of, of 20 SUVs painted in camouflage colors with, with, with the logos painted on it and all the guys are impeccably dressed in, in, in desert camouflage uniform with, 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 with um, a, 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 how do you call it? A, a bivac, uh, is, is, um, yeah, uh, good question. Like face covering masks. Yeah, the, the, the mask, yeah. And with AR-15s and they it, they, they somehow Im imitated uh, this from ISIS because ISIS also drove in, in these huge columns uh, with armored uh, vehicles and, and, and in, 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 in camouflage uh, colors and, 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 and uniforms. So, I mean, the, the, the cartels have been completely militarized as well. And, and then you have, you have like a, a escalation. I, I mean, the cartels shot down uh, an army helicopter with, with an RPG. And sometimes they, they, they ambush uh, army and police convoys and, and, and kill 20 police at, at the same time. I think that the three different themes of your of your book, they are, they are really, uh, all three of them are, are, are very important. But in the end, the I guess the most pressing question of the book is the, the, the why of the cruelty and the violence in Mexico. Um, and... I, I was wondering because there are many different places in the world where there's the, the, possi the possibility, even even through 
through drug drug trade or especially through drug trade to make enormous amounts of money. Um, why is it escalating in in this way? The the cruelty in in Mexico. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at, at Holland, there is a lot of at Holland narco state light. There's a, a lot of money is being made in in drugs in Holland, but there is violence. There was also one beheading, and uh, a lawyer and a journalist were killed. But it, it's not at, at the level as, as Mexico, and um, it, 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 it has to do with, with a long tradition of violence and, and escalation and circles of, of revenge and, and, and tactics, and, and it, it has to do with, with the geography of, 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 of the country. Yeah, you have huge remote regions where cartels can just basically make safe havens for themselves and havens and, 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 and do whatever they want. And, um, Basically, it's a learning curve. Um, there is so much competition between armed groups that, uh, in a social Darwinistic mechanism, the most cruel, the most violent group will survive. And uh, I, I describe that violence not, not as, as an aberration, but I, I describe it as a business strategy. I mean, uh, using extreme violence is sending out a signal. Uh, um, it's a message, it's, it's purely uh, uh, communication. We are the meanest, we are, are the cruelest, so um, you better join us or you will be victim. So it, it, it has like a recruiting function as well, and it, and it also has um, a function of, of intimidating civilians but also authorities into submission. So it's part of a dynamic. And once this cycle of, of extreme violence has started, it's it's it starts basically just tit for tat, and, and then it escalates. I I, I fully understand. Uh, um, I I think you're you have a point there. Uh, but let me turn the question around then, because um, the the final chapter of your book is sorry. Some people say, "Oh, a Mexican has a very violent culture." Look at at, at the revolutions and look at the Aztecs. But I looked at that, and actually, if you look at the amount of people killed in, in, in Europe in the first and second world war, in Mexico, hundreds of thousands of people are killed in the revolution, but not at the scale we had. So, so um, Europe has a much more violent history. And yeah, the, the, the Aztecs were were violent. They, they, I mean, they, they, they had pretty broody, uh, bloody rituals, but, but, but nearly every culture. So that's not a good explanation. No, no, I figure. But let, let me turn the question around then, because your final chapter is on uh, the Netherlands and, and Belgium, um, as you say, uh, narco state light. Why isn't there this um, this longer uh, longer period of, of sustained extreme violence of this hybrid war? Why why hasn't that uh, happened yet, or why isn't that happening in uh, the Netherlands and Belgium? Well, but basically, uh, cartels use violence only when, when, when necessary uh, criminal organization because uh, violence uh, alerts authorities and it, it basically, it, it uh, uh, drug trafficking organizations, they, they prefer a peaceful environment uh, where they can conduct illegal uh, transactions without being disturbed by the authorities. And, and, and committing acts of violence will, will, will alert authorities that, that they will intervene. So I, I basically think um, the, the, the Dutch crime syndicates, uh, the Mokka Mafia sometimes use extreme violence, but, but 
the Dutch crime syndicates, they, they somehow decided that peaceful uh, cooperation, uh, co- coexistence is, is the best for, for everybody. And you see that in, in some areas as, as, as well in, in Mexico, that, that, that some cartels basically decide, listen, um, the plaza or the area of operation is big enough for, for two cartels and you can do your thing and we do our thing and we, we don't bother each other because violence is, is a huge waste of, of, of money and, 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 and human resources. And um, so in, in, in Holland, um, I think uh, also you don't have the, the, the very remote regions. It's much more uh, controlled and environments. Um, uh, and it, it's this, especially the, the, the remote areas in, in, in Mexico become zones of, of anarchy. I mean, the, the, the Sierra Madre, the, the big mountains, where El Chapo was supposed to be hiding. Um, it's a mountain range from, from 2,000 kilometers long and nearly three or 400 kilometers wide. And there is only one road that goes from the west to the east. And it's it for the rest completely inaccessible. And, and, and there you, you have these groups that flourish in complete autonomy. Yeah, yeah, of course, the territorial element is uh, a geographical element is essential. A lot more competition between different crime groups in, 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 in Mexico. And um, I think the economical stakes are, I mean, in Holland, it, it's a pretty big business, but, but the economical stakes are, are, are not that high as in, 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 in Mexico. Well, it's, it's, it's been very interesting, and, and I think that the, the situation deserves uh, uh, lots of this kinds of study because, well, you've very well shown in your book that the situation is very complex, uh, but also that it can be grasped better with the use of theory and uh, in that study. I, I see this, this, this drug violence uh, uh, of organized drug trafficking as international monster, and it, it's... It's present all over the world, but it manifests itself every region in different ways, depending on the climate. And uh, I would compare it with, with, with some kind of fungus. If if it's hot and sunny, it grows very fast and extreme. And if it's cold and dark, it, it grows slowly. And, and I mean, um, in, 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 in Mexico, yeah, you have circumstances like extreme uh, corruption, already going on for, for hundreds uh, of years uh, and extreme economic inequality and that's also one of the reasons why why, why this this drug business and, and the drug violence explodes and in Holland yes there's corruption too but, but not at the scale as, as in Mexico and there's economic inequality too but again not, not at the scale of Mexico but with um, <coughs> uh, I always say listen we, we, we need to watch out because uh, in our inner cities in in, 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 in Holland and, and Belgium and and, and, and uh, Paris and actually they're not the inner cities that, that, that's typical US where the ghettos are inside the city but they're more like the outer cities the suburbs you have like a huge class of of, of, of disposable people and people with no income who just feel rage and frustration against the system. And these are the recruits for not only these not people that will use drugs to escape, 
but these are also the, the, the recruits, the foot soldiers for, for the criminal organizations. No, I think I think that you're that you're very pertinent there in saying um, uh, that the like uh, there are many um, social and economical vulnerabilities in in some some places, and especially in Mexico, the social economical vulnerabilities then combined with the huge opportunities that drug trade uh, provides. The the, the, the social uh, extremes are much bigger in in, in Mexico as in Holland, and and but. Uh, the, the Holland tend to be a little bit smirking. Oh, it, it, this won't happen with us. But, but it, 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 it won't happen at the same scale, but, but uh, at, 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 at a different intensity. But it, it's still the same phenomenon in uh, international uh, organized drug crime. No, I think uh, you, you have a point that uh, the, the combination of the vulnerabilities and the economic opportunities provide a sort of per- perfect storm in, uh, in Mexico. Um, one final question. So, a couple of weeks ago, we uh, we tried to schedule a meeting, but you were on um, on a trip to the US for your next project. Um, would you maybe care to share with us what it is exactly that you're that you're working uh, on now? What we can look forward to? My next project is uh, very exciting, and uh, I think most of my projects are always exciting because I hate boring stuff. And uh, I, I'm right now writing a book on, on global trends in crystal meth. And um, I, I, I describe the world of crystal meth from a historical point of view, from a chemical point of view, uh, pharmaceutical point of view. But also um, I go to different zones where they consume and, and produce. And um, crystal meth is drug completely on the rise uh, like 20 years ago it was only used in some pockets in, in the US but but then it, it, it became to all kind of um, for all kind of reasons it, it, it became uh, export number one from Mexico to the US and suddenly the last five years we have seen a complete emergence of, of um, crystal meth labs in in, in, uh, in the Netherlands and Belgium I mean five years ago, there was not one drug lab found, a crystal meth lab, and now suddenly all the, the ecstasy-producing labs, because in Holland we have a huge industry that, that produces MDMA and ecstasy, the, the party pills, they are switching from, from ecstasy to, to crystal meth, and last year there were 32 labs uh, uh, discovered. So, so basically, I follow, uh, I went to Mexico, I, I talked to drug-producing cartels, to, to consumers, to addicts, I just was came back from the US. Uh, I talk upstate Michigan, where Christian matters consumed uh, the lower socioeconomic white uh, underclass. But I went to Skid Row again, the, the Skid Row as well, the, the homeless community in central Los Angeles. And there suddenly you say that you see that that crystal meth has taken over from crackers as the favorite drug of choice for all homeless people, but worldwide. And um, it's 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 enormous potential. All, all the this class of expandable, disposable homeless people, um, illegal immigrants, and and they, they they all turn to to to, to crystal meth, and it's it's it, it's it's a huge it's a huge nightmare. And um, then right now, even make it in Afghanistan from a local plant, and then they export it to Pakistan, and that it winds up in the in the streets of. Zimbabwe and, and, and Cape Town. So it, it has become a completely global project. I mean, uh, the crystal meth produced in, in the Netherlands is, is 
mostly exported to Australia because we have a very small niche markets, mostly uh, people from the gay scene that, that use it for, for sex parties as a st- stimulant. But it, it, it's an extremely interesting story also be, because crystal meth was completely legal in the Second World War where it was used by the German ar- army and given to its soldiers. So, so it's, 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 a, it, it's a very fascinating drug uh, extremely dangerous, um, the, the, the most addictive. Uh, it's so it, it, it's actually a fascinating story. And um, uh, so I, I did my Mexico research and my US research. And um, later on this year, I go to uh, I hope to go to Afghanistan and also the Golden Triangle because the Golden Triangle, the, the border area, uh, Laos, uh, Thailand, and Burma or Myanmar. Um, used to be all about uh, heroin and opium, and now they, they switched to crystal meth as well. So it, 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 it's a very dynamic uh, situation, and, and I, I, uh, I meet amazing characters, I must, I must say. And as an anthropologist and as a photographer, it, 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 it's, it's a very ch- uh, great, challenging um, job. And um, I have a book contract, will be, become a book in, in Holland, and I'm right there looking for a, a US or a UK publisher. Fascinating. I'm uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, thanks for sharing, Tone. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, I guess that was it for today. Um, thanks so much once again for the whole talk. And uh, I guess we'll talk uh, talk soon, as soon as your next book is, uh, is coming out. Yeah, and uh, thanks so much for your interest. And hopefully we can talk uh, next year about my new book. Yeah. <laughs>